dropping out, Sony, the ESA, and two competing visions for E3. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, or maybe yesterday, depending on when you watch this video, we got some important news. As it turns out, it's the same news we actually got last year from Sony Interactive Entertainment, who announced that they will not be attending the Electronic Entertainment Exposition in Los Angeles this summer. This is the same thing that they said last year. But like is so often the case in virtual legality, I think the most interesting point of this statement is reading a little bit between the lines. So if you don't know, the E3 has gone through many transitions over the years. Uh, and most recently, with Sony skipping last year, they've been finding themselves in a state of transition. And then right after the show, they actually had, I believe, either all or most of the journalist attendees' information get leaked out or it was actually made available to the public. We did a video on that in virtual legality, which I will try to remember to link in the description to this video because it was a big deal uh, and there was a lot of consideration from folks that had attended the show about whether or not they would do so in 2020. And then after that, the ESA actually wound up having leaked a project plan that would have them changing up E3 into something more akin to a experiential show, something like a Disney World or a theme park that was fan-oriented but had quote-unquote brand activations in lines and things like that. And it was a little bit unclear because there was a lot of corporate speak in the PowerPoint presentation that got leaked out. But we did a video on that as well, which I would recommend that you check out. But it seems that that state of affairs from last year, the leak of the PowerPoint, the discussions that the ESA was undoubtedly having with Sony Interactive Entertainment and with other people and entities that would be attending E3, some of that didn't go so well. So let's take a look at this actual article because it's very interesting. Again, reading between the lines is what we do here at Virtual Legality, and there's a lot that you can take from what happened today. PlayStation will not participate in E3 2020. The company will instead attend hundreds of consumer events across the globe. This is an article from Game Industry Biz and author Christopher Dring. PlayStation will miss E3 for a second year in a row. The firm told Game Industry Biz that it does not feel the vision for the event is right for what it has planned for this year. That word vision, keep track of it because we're going to see it again and I think it's very important to the statement that Sony makes. Instead, it will attend hundreds of consumer events to showcase upcoming games for PS4 and PS5. And here's the quote. After thorough evaluation, SIE has decided not to participate in E3 2020 said a Sony Interactive Entertainment spokesperson. We have great respect for the ESA as an organization. It's not you. It's us. It's not your fault. We have great respect for you. So it's our fault. We just don't want to do this right now. Why do we not want to do it? But we do not feel the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year. Now, I asked you to keep track of that phrase, the vision, because... You can imagine this sentence without that phrase. You can imagine this sentence being, we have great respect for the ESA, but we do not feel that E3 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year. That's a relatively neutral statement, right? That just says, hey, we want to do some other stuff. 
We have talked in virtual legality at length about the business of selling video games and the age of the influencer and the ability for Sony to have the state of play videos and Nintendo to have its directs and its treehouse and that the internet has opened up a lot of venues for these large multinational corporations to go and have the spotlight solely to themselves, have their own events, control the messaging completely, tape the things that they want to tape, not have the risk of any kind of live issues. And it is no surprise that Sony and Nintendo have elected to do that. They've gotten the traction they need to to sell their products and their services with those kinds of venues and events. Uh, and right now, that would be an okay statement to say. Say, hey, you know, massive trade shows like E3, that isn't necessarily what we want to do this year. Hey, maybe next year, you say, maybe we'll come back. Maybe we'll get back together at some point, but not this year. But by adding the phrase, the vision, it really fundamentally changes the concept of what they are saying here. They are not solely saying that E3 2020 is not what they're interested in because they want to do something else, but that the vision that can only be ascribed to the ESA, what the ESA has elected to pitch E3 2020 as, which we got inklings of in the PowerPoint presentation that was leaked late last year, that that vision is fundamentally in opposition to what Sony wants to achieve when it goes out there to its clients and its customers and its brand partners and everybody else. That while they say at the beginning, while we have great respect for the ESA as an organization, they don't necessarily mean that they have great respect for what the ESA is doing right now and what the ESA has planned for the future, both this year and potentially in later years. This is as close as it gets, in my humble opinion, to corporate speak in which they are attacking another organization of which they are a member. Uh, and you're not going to get anything kind of more vicious or more direct than this. We do not feel the vision of E3 is what we want to do this year. That's pretty much as direct as it gets when we're talking about corporate boardroom discussions. Continuing with what they have to say, we will build upon our global event strategy in 2020 but by participating in hundreds of consumer events across the globe. Our focus is on making sure fans feel part of the PlayStation family. Note that language, and I've highlighted it here. But it is fundamentally warm. It's fundamentally simple. It's easy to understand. We want to make sure that what we are focusing on is the fans. We want fans to feel like they are invested in the PlayStation ecosystem, the family of systems. We're releasing something new. We want to focus on those fans and have access to play their favorite content. We have a fantastic lineup of titles coming to PlayStation 4. And with the upcoming launch of PlayStation 5, we are truly looking forward to a year of celebration with our fans. Focus on the fans. Fans as family. Enter the PlayStation family. Celebrate the fans. That is what they want to focus on. And this Game Industry Biz article actually highlights that pretty well here at the end. It says, E3 organizer, the ESA, has struggled to satisfy all of its members who have been split over what they want the show to be. Some publishers, such as EA and Sony, want to see E3 become a fan celebration of games, and you certainly see that kind of fan concepting focus on direct interaction with the consumer, with the customer, the fan, highlighted in their quote here, whereas others would rather the event remained an industry-focused affair. The ESA has tried to satisfy both groups, and one of the things I will say is that can sometimes succeed. It's a very, very difficult thing to achieve if those groups are at all in opposition to each other. And I think at a fundamental level, and this is just an opinion, the strategy behind E3 has to be to pick one 
or the other going forward. If it wants to be an industry trade show, that's fine. It should do that. It should be the best industry trade show that it can be. Or if it wants to be a fan celebration, if it wants to be Gamescom, if it wants to have all of the pomp and circumstance that can come from these giant corporations bringing parties to E3 and to actually meet with the fans, it should do that. But by trying to be both, I think it weakens essentially its effectiveness at either. And I think ultimately that's one of the things that Sony is reacting to, even as the ESA tries to have more fan-focusing events. And I'm not as sure as Game Industry Busy is here with this description that Sony and EA are in one camp and other publishers are in another camp. I think there is overall a general concept from a lot of these industry stalwarts that E3 is a bit of a muddled mess right now. And one way or the other, it has to figure out what it's about. And certainly in the age of the influencer, in the age of streaming directs and things like that, it's a bit of a difficult thing for the ESA to try to solve. It isn't cheap to have a Los Angeles conference center for a week. Uh, It isn't cheap to get all these people together to actually have all of the structure that goes around this kind of thing. But they have to figure it out. Or E3, certainly as we knew it, isn't going to survive much longer, but maybe even as we might have known it won't survive past these kinds of statements from Sony. Now, the ESA actually put out a statement following this, and I want you to juxtapose the the kind of language that the ESA uses to what Sony actually put forward. So here we have the Entertainment Software Association, the ESA's website, They actually frame this as a statement on Sony's E3 2020 announcement. So this isn't at all ambiguous. This is the ESA actually responding to Sony dropping out of their premier signature event. And here is how they chose to respond in their statement. E3 is a signature event celebrating the video game industry and showcasing the people brands, and innovations redefining entertainment loved by billions of people around the world. So first of all, it's a pretty long sentence. Second of all, you see I've highlighted there the use of the phrase brands. We're going to see this pop up much more significantly in the following sentences. But overall, this starts to give you the hint that this is a much more corporate-oriented speech pattern that the ESA has adopted. This is all about describing maximizing collective synergies and realizing corporate abilities in various different capacities and things of that nature. And it doesn't dovetail with what Sony has put forward about being about the fans, much more simply drawn. Uh, and you start to get a lot more of that kind of boardroom speak, a lot more of what we saw in the PowerPoint presentation from the end of last year, uh, and not at all necessarily customer-focused, fan-focused, fan-facing. The second sentence here, E3 2020 will be an exciting high-energy show featuring new experiences, partners, exhibitor spaces, activations, and programming that will entertain new and veteran attendees alike. So looking at that list again, experiences, partners, exhibitor spaces, activations, and programming. This is a statement entirely focused on brands, on corporate speak. Activations doesn't mean anything to anybody in the real world without some kind of either defined term or an agreement that they can reflect on defining that term. Finally, the last sentence here is exhibitor interest in our new activations is gaining the attentions of brands that view E3 as a key opportunity to connect with video game fans worldwide. Now that last sentence is essentially the ESA responding 
to Sony's comment about the vision for E3 2020, where the ESA actually kind of didn't necessarily attack Sony. You can see the subtext here. Exhibitor interest in our new activations, put aside the corporate speak for a second. This is ridiculous language, but we can live with it, is gaining the attention of brands. That should probably be read as companies. For whatever reason, they're referring to companies and entities and actual things in existence solely as brands. Again, very advertising, very PR focused kind of language here, but not very useful in communicating with folks out there in the real world. That those activations are gaining the attention of these companies that view E3 as a key opportunity to connect with video game fans worldwide. What's the other way to read that sentence? What's the easier way to read that sentence? Hey, yeah, Sony dropped out. And remember, this is a statement in response to Sony dropping out. Sure, Sony dropped out. But let's be honest. The brands that actually view E3 as an opportunity to connect with video game fans worldwide, the brands that care about gamers, they're going to be here. They're interested in our activations. There's nothing they love more than activations, baby. And they're going to be here. So don't you worry. Now, I'm translating that for you. I think that's what they were attempting to communicate here. But whenever you have a statement like this that I jokingly said on Twitter went through the Google Translate for boardroom, you wind up with this kind of mealy-mouthed mix of random Harvard Business Review jargon that doesn't necessarily mean anything to anybody that you might otherwise try to be assuaging the fears of. So this is not designed for the fans, even as a statement. This isn't designed for you and me. If you found yourself in virtual legality, I'm sorry that's kind of close to the end of the video. This statement wasn't designed for you. You don't use the phrases exhibitor spaces, activations, and programming, and refer to companies as brands twice, and mean for Joe Blow on the street to understand what the heck you are talking about. This is for Microsoft and Activision or whomever to say, hey, we're cool, all right? Everybody knows that the brands that actually care about gamers, that actually care about this industry, they're going to be here. And by subtext, if you're not here, then I guess you don't care about this opportunity to connect with video game fans worldwide. You may talk about fans in your statement. You may mention all this stuff about fans. But obviously, if you're not joining us for this E3 party, you don't care about the fans. You're nothing to us. Don't you worry, people that are currently on board with E3. You don't need to drop out. Don't consider your dues or your fees or whatever else might be associated with coming to E3. We know that you care about fans because of your attendance. And those people that don't attend, well, they never cared about fans in any event. But at the end of the day, that's just my translation. And if I have to translate it for you, and I'm not even sure that that translation is fully what the ESA intended to convey in their communication, well, all I can say is, as someone that reads corporate speak for a living, uh, this statement was very, very, very difficult to translate. And as you can see here, this is actually what I tweeted out. I read corporate speak for a living, and this statement is nigh unreadable. As you can tell from this video, as you can tell from just the statement, it is not even on the same planet as the Sony Interactive Entertainment statement for focus and describing what it is they hope to achieve by not attending E3. It is on a different level altogether. It doesn't know what audience it wants to hit, and the audience that it appears to be aimed at wouldn't necessarily be assuaged by even the things that it says in the statement itself. So, again, I wish I could give you more information here. Unfortunately, the ESA doesn't look like it has its finger on the pulse for what its attendees want. 
It doesn't look like it has a very clear vision that will be attractive to all of the major industry players either now or into the future. And if I were sitting there evaluating the ESA, trying to figure out for my multinational corporation whether it should attend, I would frankly be wary of doing so. And if you're familiar with me, if you are familiar with the channel, you know I say that from a position of loving E3. I've loved E3 basically my whole life. I love celebrating video games and the industry. I love celebrating pop culture. I love seeing the announcements, seeing people get excited about them. One of my favorite things in the world is to watch the easy allies kind of react to E3 and the press conferences and get all of their opinions on the various games that are available on the trade show. And if E3 goes away at a fundamental level, I will fundamentally miss that. However, If the ESA as an organization is not capable of coming up with a game plan for what this show should be, then it needs to die in its current form and current vision. And they need to come up with something that is attractive to the people that make up the industry, the entities that make up the industry, and everyone else that should be excited about attending something like this. I'm not pretending it's an easy challenge to solve. As I said, the age of the influencer and the internet age are tricky, tricky things for the mega trade show to try to figure out. But figure it out, they have to, or else E3 isn't going to be around much longer. This has been Virtual Legality for today. Thank you so much for checking it out. We are talking about pop culture, YouTube, various other things, the business and law of these entities and the news items that you are hopefully seeing and checking out. Uh, And if you like this, please like, please subscribe, share it around with anybody that you think might be interested. Otherwise, if you caught it on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Thank you.